Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Good morning. Um, I just want to say thank you to um, the guys who are leading worship and the guys that prayed before the service because I've had a migraine since Friday night and in the worship it's gone completely. So, so thank you and thank you Jesus. It's so great to look out at family. I love this bit. The bit where I look at, I, kind of, I sit there and I'm like shaking and I'm a bit nervous and I get up and I'm like, oh, it's you guys. Like, it's my family. So thank you for putting up with me for, I think it must be 12 years now. Do you remember the days where we didn't have sat-nav? Okay. Thankfully, I was not allowed to drive before sat-nav. But I do remember helping my mum and dad navigate roads. And, I mean, that's quite fun in itself even now with a sat-nav. But back then, signposts were really useful because, if I'm honest, I could read a map, but... Sometimes I got a bit distracted, as any of you know, if, you're sat, if I'm sat with somebody, I'll start talking, and then I've missed a lot of things that are happening. So signposts, road signs, are really important. In fact, it just stops the world getting lost, doesn't it? Or maybe it's just me that stops getting lost because of the road signs. I can't even listen to the sat-nav sometimes, and if I only had to rely on sat-nav and not the road signs, I would be lost all the time. But signposts they're just a substitute they're not a substitute for the destination that you're trying to get to no one ever says i really valued the signpost on the way somewhere more than the place that i was going to or the destination that i was heading to but you might have been really grateful for them it would be really weird for us to think that the signpost was the main thing in the great commission in matthew 28 Jesus asks that we would go to the ends of the world making disciples and telling people about Jesus, that we should be signposts to him. That role is important, but it's no substitute for Jesus. In 1 Peter, it says that we should always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. As a people of God, we carry hope into the world and it needs it. Our world needs hope. Our churches, we should point people to Jesus. Just yesterday, a friend of mine reminded me that we gather here to unpack God's word, to know him better, to worship together, and to daily continue to realize his love for us and let that be the thing that changes our hearts so that they are orientated towards him. The values that we hold here at St. Saviour's are to help us frame how we point others and ourselves towards Jesus. Because we want to be a gathering of people that are reliant on Jesus. A people who live our lives in God's strength and not our own. And that is so easy to say and hard to do, but so what we need. And when those moments come where we know we've lent on God, when we've got migraines and we say, God, I know you're the only one that can heal this, we lean on him, things are different. We want to be relevant to Sunbury and beyond. The Jesus that we read about in the pages of the Bible was relevant and is relevant to every generation. So we too must seek to understand our community and context so that our expression of church and our expression of community is relevant, that it's inclusive and that we serve each other and beyond. All of this so that we are people that point others to Jesus. So I'm gonna try and unpack 
community, the third value. Um, many of you all know, a couple of years ago, I decided to um, trek to Everest Base Camp, um, having never climbed a mountain previously to that. The trip of a lifetime, and it was a childhood bucket list dream. So when I headed out there with um, Nadine, we joined a group of other people from all over the world. And I mean all over the world. Different walks of life turned up, um, different experiences, different reasons to want to do it, some from different cultures, some following Jesus, some not following Jesus. And by the end of the one, just by the end of the first day, we'd got to know each other. We were sharing tips on how to survive the cold. We were even sharing socks at some point. Not sharing socks, like, I've got more socks here, have more layers, because three isn't enough. Helping each other repack our bags, mainly everyone helping me repack my bag, and Nadine going, I remember one night going, why are you carrying this? Why are you carrying this? Why have you got this? Why have you got a power bank during the day? We were sharing chlorine tablets, sharing deodorant, sharing meals together. We met that day as a group of people from all different walks of life. And after getting back to Kathmandu 14 days later, we were a family. No man left behind. We had shared life. We had been all in because you had no choice but to be all in. We were bearing with each other, and some days we had to bear with one another. We all shared all that we had. There was no, this is mine, and, and you can't use that because I'm using that. It was, here's all the stuff. Who needs what? Let's share it. If you didn't bring it, have mine. We pulled each other along when someone was exhausted. We shared bread together. We shared a fire to warm up. We spoke about life in the moment, and we spoke about our stories. We talked about our pursuit of God, and we spoke about a God who is always pursuing us, and then we climbed his mountain together. I was wondering, what if the best expression of ourselves and of Jesus is when we live well in community, filled with the Holy Spirit? Maybe we weren't created to do life on our own. I know we can choose to be on our own sometimes, or sometimes we find ourselves alone. But I just keep thinking, what if we were hardwired or made to be in community? What if that was God's design for us? I don't just mean the house that we sleep in. I mean our day-to-day -day lives. The church is a body, and we as that body reflect Jesus, hopefully. The communion began in the beginning. If you go all the way back to Genesis, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, a perfect community of love already without us. And yet, out of that love, there is creativity, and that's so evident in our world. Where there's love, babies are born, right? <laughs> yep, I said that. <laughs> we see creativity, and you know what? Born out of that loving community, perfect loving community, creation was birthed. We were made. We're born out of God's love. It's no surprise that we are drawn to community or we have an uncomfortableness when we see a lack of community. We have a model of community already. 
and the church's expression of it points back to Jesus. In the Bible it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. So here we're gathered, a few more than two or three, and he's here amongst us in our neighborhood. Jesus modeled being part of a community, despite not having a place to lay his head during his ministry. He was always part of community. He was traveling around, but always in communion with people. He did have times of solitude with his heavenly father, but he lived in community. He shared meals in homes with people. In fact, eating in people's homes was a bit of a theme. In the Gospels, we read in Luke 7, he ate with a Pharisee. In Matthew 8, he ate in the, in the house of Simon the leper. What a title. Whilst um, he was eating at Simon the leper's house, a woman came into the house and disrupted what was going on and started to honor him with perfume. He ate with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and he encouraged Martha to stop preparing the table, but to join the table. He shared his last meal with his friends before being crucified, and this is where he broke bread and shared wine to symbolize what was about to happen. He hung out at a wedding and turned water into wine. He told a parable about two sons. He said that one son, the younger son, took his share of the inheritance and squandered it. And when that prodigal son returned home, he expected condemnation and he expected to be treated as a servant. But instead, his father put on a feast to celebrate his return. There is a heavenly table that God has invited us to be part of, and that is a celebration where we, accept, we are accepted by God. So what's the big deal about meeting people around a table for a meal? Why is that mentioned so many times that Jesus ate with people? I'm from, my parents are from India. Um, so no reunion, no family gathering, no wedding, or any other significant social event is ever complete without a meal. In fact, you can turn up at someone's house and expect to be fed. It's rude if you didn't get fed, and it's rude if you don't stay for dinner. So when, you, when I go to India, and I often expect that maybe I will lose a bit of weight, that doesn't happen. I put it all on because I just keep saying yes to the food. <laughs> Inviting someone to share a meal in Eastern culture is an invitation of friendship. To invite someone to eat at your table is an invitation to come and relax for a bit and get to know each other. To say to someone, come to my table, means you're saying, you're my friend. Come and eat with me. I accept you. Our culture can often encourage us to make sure that we make ourselves our priorities, that we put ourselves before our families and our communities or before a group. And we can sometimes want to have spiritual growth without losing our independence to the church or some sort of organized institution. But what if our spirituality and walk with God goes deeper when we're part of a community? C.S. Lewis, um, who was famous for writing the Narnia books and other important books, but the Narnia books, he was part of this famous uh, circle of friends that met in a pub in Oxford called the Inklings. The group included uh, Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, and Charles Williams. When his friend Charles Williams unexpectedly died after World War II, Lewis writes an essay about friendship, and he expresses that in losing Charles, he also lost the ability to see the facets and personalities 
of the rest of the group that only Charles could bring out. He links this to knowing God. That it's when we see others walking with Jesus, when we see others worshipping, it reveals more of who God is to us that we may not have seen on our own. I know that's certainly true for me. When I see you guys, my family, walking with Jesus, when I meet in my life group, when I meet at church, when I hear worship, when I hear someone stand here and point me to Jesus, I see something of Jesus that I didn't know before. A guy called Timothy Keller goes on to say, you must be deeply involved in church or a Christian community with strong relationships of love and accountability. Because only if you're part of a community of believers seeking to resemble, serve, and love Jesus will you ever get to know him and grow in his likeness. The more we share bread together, the more we share a table together, the more we get to know and become more like Jesus. It says in Hebrews... Do not give up the habit of meeting together and keep encouraging each other. You may remember a while back the women's ministry team started a tradition of the table. The concept was that women would gather every so often and share a meal and share life. And the groups were mixed with women from all different backgrounds and all different stages of life. On Wednesdays, you may know, there is a community lunch that happens that does exactly that too. You may even be part of it. Inviting people to come to the table because they are accepted here to find friendship, to find Jesus at the heart. Through these community tables, there have been stories of redemption and healing. It is so exciting. The extension and invitation to come and eat at your table is friendship. So you can imagine, then, the reaction of the crowd and the notorious tax collector, Zacchaeus, when Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, because he was up a tree, I read when I was at Sunday school, he was up a tree looking at what Jesus was doing, and, he, and Jesus spots him and says, Zacchaeus, get down from there. I'm coming to eat at your table today. I know who you are. Meal sharing was a sign of identification and friendship that you were associated with that person. And Jesus was just known for sitting and eating at the table of people that no one wanted to be around. Would Jesus really have been saying to Zacchaeus, I accept you with all the corruption and sin and shame that you are covered in? Or was he bringing God's offer of friendship to the table, a new way, a new beginning, a new friendship with God, where there's repentance and forgiveness? Or was it both? Brennan Manning He wrote, The inclusion of all people in the community of salvation achieved in a table fellowship is the most dramatic expression of the message of the redeeming love of a merciful God. I bet you didn't know that when you shared a table and you gathered people, because I'm looking out at a sea of very hospitable people, and when you gather people around your table, whether it's a physical table or you just spend time with people, did you know that It was an expression of the redeeming love of God. Our church community at its best and at its core should be that expression and that message. If you've got a Bible, turn to Acts 2. Chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. 
I don't know what page it is in the church Bible, sorry. <laughs> but it's after the Gospels. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, um, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Picture the scene. Jesus, um, the disciples watch Jesus be crucified and then be buried in a tomb. They mourn his death, and then two women turn up three days later claiming that Jesus is alive. Lo and behold, he comes and visits them, and he says he has to go after a while and wants them to wait for the Holy Spirit. That is a lot of trauma and therapy right there, isn't there? (laughs) Then the day of Pentecost comes, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit as he promised. And the early church is born from that day. The blueprint for our church. Continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. In the Greek, to continually devote yourself is proskaterio, I think. To persist, to persevere, to continue steadfast in and to wait upon and to do something with intense effort. Imagine if we embedded those words into that passage. My mum, she's currently reading the Bible. She um, came to faith quite late on in life, but she's working through the start of the Old Testament and she loves all of that history and she pulls so much from it um, in a way that I can't and she, I'm learning stuff from her and I'm loving her devotion to God's word. Every single day she knows that that is the priority she makes to soak herself in God's word and there is so much wisdom in her life that comes from that but also I've noticed that in her darkest hours now when she needs God and when I do she pulls on those verses that she knows. I do believe that time spent with Jesus and, his devo- and devotion to his word is like breathing in fresh, life-giving air. And when we worship and share communion together, we devote ourselves to God. We accept Jesus in our lives again and again and we remind ourselves of what it is to be part of his family. We taste a piece of heaven when we worship and that is what it felt like this morning. Because, and that is in the Bible, When we worship God together, the atmosphere changes. We are not worshiping alone. It's not just us. Very creation worships as well. The angels worship and acknowledge who God is. What would our communities look like if we truly did life together with people? I wonder what the statistics of loneliness would be. Would people be less lonely? I love walking through Staines and Sunbury because I very rarely walk through without seeing people that I know. And I love being known by the community, whether it's from school, whether it's from church, whether it's from the bank. I definitely had a long conversation with someone from the bank. I thought I knew them from church. <laughs> but you know what? It is time consuming. Did you know that? 
It is time-consuming, and I make no apology for that, because being part of a community will use up your time. There is no shortcut way of doing life with people by not giving them your time. So are we going to be prepared to be inconvenienced by people? Because we read through the Bible, Jesus' day was interrupted all the time. Remember the days where he interrupts your day with somebody? And in the moment you think, really now? And then after you think, thank goodness now. I'm going to share one last thing. And I wasn't sure if I was going to share it, and then we prayed, and then I thought I should share it. One of my favorite verses is that people will know that we belong to Jesus because of the way we love one another. That was the first thing I wanted to share. And the last thing was tables. All through my preparation, I just kept coming back to tables. It's at a table that you first are fed. It's at a table that it's where you learn to feed yourself. It's where you learn to read and write. It's where you celebrate your birthday. It's where you celebrate others. It's where you weep and you cry and you grieve together. It's where you confess your failures. It's where I learned to pray. It was where I learned to listen to other people. It was around a table that I learned how to wait for others before I ate. It was where I learned to be thankful. It's where I learned to share life with people. It was around a table that I learned that we should value people. And it was where I learned to really see people. How to share, how to listen to stories, how to tell jokes badly. How to come up with solutions for problems. How to debate. It's around a table that I became friends with people. And it's around a table that I started to not feel alone. And it's where I learned about Jesus, around a table. And it's around a table that we're invited to share communion and remember Jesus together, to accept his sacrifice and know that we are friends of God. I believe that we're wired to be in this community and for it to be an expression of God's love, a redeeming love. Father God, thank you for your redeeming love. Thank you that you gave us people in flesh and blood to do life with. Help us to keep being and even more to be a church that is fully alive in the power of Jesus and to be expression of who you are and a beacon to others for you. Help us to be a community that continue to point to you and help us to bear with one another and to forgive quickly. Help us to be more loving. Because Father, we long to be like you and we long to know you more. So would you meet with us today, every day, and continue to transform us radically in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about St Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk.